0: the Adopting Joy Podcast. I'm your host, Colleen Joy Ryan. It's my passionate mission to share inspirational insights, actionable tips, tools, and techniques that you can apply immediately so you can create your best life. Sample topics include dealing with difficult people, how to get motivated and stay motivated, and transforming your struggles into success. If you're looking to create a more free and fulfilling life filled with greater happiness, health, and healing, you've come to the right place. My goal is to help you love your life. It's one of the secrets to adopting joy. i Colleen Ryan, and I want to welcome you to episode five of the Adopting Joy podcast. This is my first Adopting Joy podcast episode where I have actually interviewed somebody. And I, I feel just, so
1: special. <laughs>
0: good, good. Well, I'm really looking forward to having you on, Caden, and I just wanted you to Kind of go ahead and introduce yourself and who you are, so that uh, everybody can know.
1: Yeah. So my name is Katie Mutera. I am a local filmmaker, and uh, I own the production company Paradox Studios. Currently, I um, I own and I work for myself, which is awesome. And basically, what I'm not doing for hire, freelance, commercial, or photography work, I'm doing a narrative film and story time. So short films. We have a feature film coming out, and all of this is planned to shoot in the Coeur d'Alene in Spokane area. So that's kind of who I am, and I've been doing it since I was eight years old. (laughs) So it's been a fun ride so far.
0: Yeah, and you know what's really interesting is most people at the age of eight don't know what they want to do. Much less (laughs) in their early, early 20s are they putting out a feature film. So I would like to know... Um, I know you've told me in the past that you knew at age eight what you Mm -hmm. wanted to do. So kind of walk me through how you did it Um, for anybody that either has their own business now or they're thinking about having their own business because I am in love with the topic of adversity Mm -hmm. and roadblocks. And if I were a betting woman, I would bet it has not been smooth sailing the whole way.
1: Yeah, more or less, (laughs) that is is for sure. (laughs) So, I mean, I guess I'm pretty fortunate in the fact that I knew what I wanted to do from a very early age. Some people are still trying to figure it out, which is, you know, totally fine. I mean, if you look at Morgan Freeman, he didn't even try to get into acting until he was significantly older. And now look at him now, you know? I, I didn't know that. Yeah, some people About just, what age? Uh, I don't know. I think it was like he was a, a middle-aged man before he decided to... Start his acting career. So it's like it never is too late. Mm. I fortunately was very young. Uh-huh. Um, but you can you can really start anytime you want to. So that's, that's the first thing. So, I mean, basically, I think the, the main way I've been able to, I don't have to wait for someone to tell me I can do something or to wait for an amazing connection. I just um, start doing it. For better or worse, <laughs> and of course, it's <laughs> gone through uh, numerous failed projects and you know things that have not turned out. That lots of failures, um, but just starting, regardless of if you're ready to or not, mm-hmm. just taking that leap of faith and, and doing it. Um, that's that's where I feel like I've received most of my my luck. <laughs>
0: I love what you said about just starting, whether you feel like it or not, Right, because there are so many people who are waiting for the quote unquote right time. Exactly. And and is there any one right time? Some Sometimes there is. You know, I know of people who've uh, they've been laid off from a job or they were fired from a job that they didn't like anyway, or they're just at a point in their career where they want to move on and they want to do something um, different. I had. My own wake up call. Maybe I'll talk about that later. But um, there are a lot of people I think who are like waiting for this right time, like right, a, a right. lightning bolt from the sky. And I think sometimes that can actually be procrastination. People Absolutely. have a have a fear.
1: Yes, like, I mean especially with say the entertainment industry. Um, a lot everyone says, and it's true that the the way that you can really make it up to the top is with connections. Like yes. say if your brothers with. Tom Cruise, or, or, your, or your mom is friends with Denzel Washington. Those are, connections are huge. Mm-hmm. That being said, just because you don't have any doesn't mean that you just need to stand there twiddling your thumbs. Um, a lot of people think that because it's that one in a million chance, which it kind of is, to really yeah. make it big, that they just shouldn't try at all. And really, it's just, um, I think the first main discouraging point talking about Roblox for me was uh, I had a, a friend whose mom was friends with a uh, a, a production company owner in L.A. Um, and, of course, because they're like, oh, Caden, okay, you like movies. Let me hook you up with this guy. I'll give yes. you his number. And you can call him up and ask him, like, um, for advice and all that stuff. And I was younger. I think I was, uh, like, a sophomore in high school. Uh-huh. And so I, I called him up, and I basically was like, hey, my name's Caden. I know you're the you're the real deal. I totally I looked at your website. I love your work. Um, What advice could you possibly give for someone who's trying to pursue this career in film direction? And basically, and I won't say his name, (laughs) or he said like, you should give up. (laughs) It's it's basically what he said, and he Uh, not exactly, but he said um, it's so hard to um, get into this industry, and it's a one in a million chance. And honestly, you should find like. Something else is kind of what he said. And technically Mm -hmm. he is correct. It is a one in a million chance, but the people who are that one in a million are the one who fight for it. And he did not give me uh, very much uh, encouraging words that day. (laughs) And so instead of hanging up the phone and being like, well, I guess I should go into physical therapy or whatever. No offense to physical therapy. Physical therapy is great. I decided, you know what? I'm gonna take that discouragement as encouragement to start proving people like him wrong
0: and yes. hopefully
1: succeed anyway. Yes. Yeah, so that's my my story on that.
0: <laughs> I completely agree with that. I think one of the best things that you can do when you do get that discouragement is use that to, to be perfectly blunt, to kind of have that I'll show you attitude. Right, exactly. And it's like now you're even more determined to make it because you've got this naysayer you've got this person who discouraged you and i think people really do go one of two ways they either take that discouragement and they kind of you know crawl into a shell and they Take it personally, which you so easily could have done, mm-hmm. um, or you use it as uh, determination. Take that right. discouragement and use it as determination. Right. And then there's the people who maybe they okay crawl into their shell for a little while, um, but you know they dust themselves, they dust themselves off and mm-hmm. come back and get back
1: to work. Yeah, yeah. I mean healthy competition, whether it's with yourself or other people. It does push you to, you know, just become a a better version of yourself in in one way or another. Mm -hmm. Um, So even with uh, in the local film community, which isn't exactly thriving if you compare it to to L.A. or something like that. um, But just seeing other people also making films um, and and uh, and seeing people sometimes put out projects that are better than yours or more impressive cinematography or more impressive script instead of being like, oh, I'll never make it. It encourages you to be like, oh, my gosh, how can I do something like that or try to one-up the next person in a healthy way? Right. Um, Not saying that, like, you have to be malicious towards people and always be the best person in the room, but surrounding yourself with um, people that are smarter than you or people that are better than you um, encourages you to rise up as well. Like, you'll never be a better tennis player if you're playing with someone uh, worse at tennis than you, basically. that's true. Yeah.
0: It's kind of like when they say when you're going to buy a home, buy in the most expensive neighborhood that mm. you can afford. Because even if you have the smaller house, the other houses will help to increase the mm. value of yours. Right, right. That's interesting.
1: Yeah, and, and
0: it's kind of the same way. It's mm. like you know when you're around those people who have already done it, they're more successful than you. They kind of help to increase your learning, which right. helps your power. Your, you know, your earning power, and it just helps you to become a better person because they kind of challenge you and you can learn from Mm -hmm. observing them. I know for me, when I was in the... uh, Well, I was in sales for a long, long time, way before I ever got into the speaking business and the coaching business that I do now. And at one point, I had wanted to be in the advertising industry. I wanted to be an advertising executive and I was living in Los Angeles and I was already in sales, so it wasn't a total stretch to go into advertising Mm -hmm. and i would literally i would go to the grocery store i would pick out magazines that i wanted to work for I looked up who the publisher was, I looked up who the sales reps were, Mm -hmm. I jotted down the phone numbers. Oh, really? And then I would go home and I would call these people, and telling them what I wanted to do for a living. And I do want to preface that by saying that with the sales people, I would say, by the way, just so you know, I don't specifically want your job, you know? I just wanted (laughs) to get your advice on how to get into the industry right and I think they I mean it really kind of takes a lot of balls to do that right to to just cold call absolutely I was driven by passion you know the the passion was the fuel and so I called people up and then um after they spoke with me everybody was very nice I would write them handwritten thank you notes now you know this was a long time ago But I still, to this day, you know, being that I do a lot of seminars on self-awareness, emotional intelligence, dealing with difficult people, Mm -hmm. leadership. I'm in the, you know, I'm in the presence of a lot of leaders, a lot of human resources people. And I will ask them, hey, when you've got somebody that's inquiring about um, a, a position at your company or somebody interviews, you know, do, you know, do you get a lot of thank you notes? And they'll Probably shake. not, yeah, yeah. Never, never. No yeah. handwritten thank you notes.
1: Yeah, that's how you stick out. That's that good attitude. Out. and Yeah, I mean, it's uh, especially in my industry because it's the one I know the best. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's partial talent and capability. And then like 50% is just being a decent human being and being nice to people. Yes. Because if someone likes to work with you, then you'll get jobs. People mm-hmm. who are uh, capable and talented, but are jerks, will probably get the job less than uh, people who are kind and, and at least are half capable. <laughs> um, and in a way, it's. I, I mean, it's. Uh, it is what it is, but it's like your connections, and, and this is with most things. I feel like most careers, your your connections and um, how you are to work with, and yes. then. Um, how capable you are in a way. which is just kind of weird and flawed, but at, at least with my experience, that is kind of how it works, at least in the film industry.
0: I, I completely agree. And I think that goes over almost all industries because yeah. when I interviewed people for uh, my first book, it was a business book, Secrets Your Boss isn't telling you i interviewed not just a lot of managers supervisors hr people but i was also on the phone once again cold calling talking with uh ceos and um so i i was able to reach some of these ceos most of them we set up an appointment and i remember when i was talking about you know what are the skills that you look for traits qualities that you look for in hiring somebody and also what you consider to be an outstanding employee. Mm-hmm. One thing that I heard from a lot of people, the uh, the the CEOs, I heard this from managers and from HR people, and I'm paraphrasing, but in one form or another, they said, Colleen, if I had to choose between high skill and high will, hmm. I would go for the person where it's high will. Right. I want the person who's coachable. I want somebody coachable. I want somebody malleable, Mm -hmm. somebody who's trainable and teachable. And, you know, obviously if you're looking for something highly specialized, if they're looking to hire an attorney or an engineer or a doctor, whatever is highly specialized, you know, as you and I have talked about, certainly you have to have those qualities. Mm -hmm. You can't train people to do just anything. Right. Yeah. But I, I so agree. It's, it's, it's being kind, it's being decent, it's you know right. being, being a nice, fun person to work for. And I would say that for any entrepreneurs who are listening yeah. as well, because most people want to work with people who are flexible with change, right. who have the right attitude. So if an entrepreneur is looking to get hired, it's the yeah. same thing. You know, are you listening to the client? What are their needs? Right. What are their Are you a objective? people person? I mean, if you yes. started
1: cold calling, but you had zero social skills, then those cold calls probably wouldn't go too well. <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, yeah it's, it's, it's being that positive people person that people like to talk to that, you know, just in an interview standpoint, um, mm-hmm. you know, like, hey, I like this person, you know, it's um, yeah, absolutely.
0: Mm-hmm. People who, who said. You know, do you ever go to our industry luncheons? You know, if you do, come up and introduce yourself. Mm-hmm. And I, I did. I introduced myself. I did attend a few of the interesting, you know, industry luncheons, and I uh, would introduce. Oh, I'm the one that called you, and blah blah blah. And you know, I did have some people thank me for the thank you note because most people nice. don't do that. And right. I just, I truly appreciated them spending the time. Um, with me, and you know, even on social media nowadays, they're saying you know, give out a lot of free valuable content because <laughs> yeah. people people remember that if you're somebody who's truly giving out a lot of valuable content, you're adding value to somebody's life in whatever way, which is kind of my goal with this podcast. You know, just having people walk away with actionable tools, tips, and techniques yeah, that they can absolutely. use. Um, that that is really my goal because by doing that, by helping other people, you stand out. Because for so many mm-hmm. people, it's like okay, you know what? What's the sales pitch? You know, you're waiting at the end. Right. And I'll be honest on on some of the social media platforms, if there is somebody where everything ends with an email funnel, it's all right. directing you toward that. Yeah, I get to the point where I will not. I will not click on their stories or whatever it might be. If that's every single one, (laughs) I I, I get doing that. But at other times, tell us about your life. Right.
1: If everything Mm -hmm. feels like it has a business agenda behind it, feels less genuine. Yeah. Right. I mean, going back to like, uh, in order to succeed with film industry and other industries in general, you have to have connections. Well, some of the main ways you can make connections is being that people person. Um, instead of waiting for that famous person or that big, big shot guy to come to you, going to them and like making those cold calls or going mm-hmm. to, um, for me personally, going to film events in the area and shaking hands with people. And when I recognize an actor from something else I've seen, instead of being like, oh, I hope they come up and talk to me, I go up and talk to them yeah. and be like, oh, I love your stuff. Oh, you're you're awesome. Um, by the way, since he asked. I'm Caden, <laughs> you know, and um, I mean, we were asked to be um, guests, ex- guest exhibitors at the Spokane Comic-Con, which was super awesome. And um, we had uh, one of the celebrity guests there come up to us um, and we we went up to him and we just kind of like hit it off and became friends with one of the celebrities there. And I won't say who because I can't, that's I can't fine. say yet. I was
0: going to say um, that's perfectly OK. But
1: um, yeah. but long story short, we now have um, him or her. And uh, involved in one of our next projects, just because um, cool. we were we talked to each other and basically instead of coming up to each other as with an agenda, just talk to each other as human beings because we both liked each other's stuff. And then mm-hmm. afterwards, we made a business connection. Yes. Um, so it's like if you go through everything with that business mind, hundred percent, people will see through it. Yes. Like like seeing uh, people's mm-hmm. content, but then realizing that they just want you to sign up for their emailer and makes you less inclined to do it. You're like, oh, all that nice stuff you were saying was just for me to sign up for your email. <laughs> it's like yeah. human, genuine first, and then business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, it's it's hard finding that line, you know? But, I mean, if, you, if I were to go to every film community event and talk to actors with the agenda to just shove them into my film, no one would want to talk no, to me. Be no. Like, oh, that's the guy that tries to take advantage of people and tries to shove them into his yes. movies. Yeah.
0: Yep. The re- yeah. The the reputation kind of gets around.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: So my next question for you would be, what, what and if, um, I guess what, has there been a time when a part of you just, wanted to hang it up. I mean, even if you knew you, you weren't and you were going to come back and rise up again, what has been a time when you really felt discouraged? And then how did you come out of it? Because with a lot of my social media posts, um, some of them that go over really well, or when I talk about how to overcome procrastination, how to get motivated, how to Stay motivated. And I I believe in my last uh, podcast episode, I talked about how action is the antidote to inertia. Hmm. Sometimes you have to just take the action, just get started. And so I call it remember your ABCs. The A, action is the antidote to inertia. Sometimes action is the antidote due to depression. Or yeah. despair. And I talked right. about the B is baby steps. Just take baby steps. You know, when you don't feel like doing something big. Do something just do something bit. small. And my mom used to say, take baby steps. Which is hard for those of us who are very OCD. Right. Obsessive. Want to do Compulsive. All. Yeah. Because the minute you don't feel like doing the all, you do None. nothing. Right. And then the C is confidence. Because by taking that action... Even if it's baby steps, it leads to the C, confidence. Right, so what, absolutely. What for you has been a time when, you know, just honestly, maybe you were really discouraged, and how did you get yourself back up?
1: So, honestly, at least every project I do, project I, do I have a moment like that.
0: Oh, good. <laughs> so, That's good to know. Um,
1: yeah, so basically... Because I never think
0: that. You know, sometimes yeah. we think people are so perfectly confident on the outside, and we don't know what they go through.
1: Right, I mean... As an artist, one can accidentally um, receive, the, define their personal value by the content that they're creating. So, if that makes sense. So, less yes. of, of who they are as a person, but they're only as good as the song they wrote, or only as good as, for me, like the movie I made. So, anytime. Um, I'm doing a project where, say, that day's shooting just did not go well. Or I finished a film, and I'm looking at my my, uh, footage in the editing room, and I'm just like, what is this? Why am I doing this? It's like my personal value is gone because I'm only giving myself value um, from my work, which is not a good thing. Um, But we all, I feel like, in some way do it. And so in those moments where I feel like I didn't do good that day. It means I wasn't good. And I'm like, well, I guess this filmmaking is just throwing the towel. Yes. I don't know why I'm doing this. Even though like I had four great projects before <laughs> or four shooting days great before, this one day was like, well, I don't know why I'm doing this. So like there's always mm-hmm. um, a moment uh, where if something didn't turn out right, I'm like, well, I just uh, that just means that I'm, I'm not good. But then after, after a while, I, I push through the footage or I realize, well, I realize what I did wrong. So that means I have the knowledge for what the right thing is to do mm-hmm. or and I can either reshoot it or I can uh, play around with the footage. And then after, you know, a day or two, I'm like, oh, I don't know what I was worried about. Yeah. You know, I just push through it instead of going like, oh, oh, and then just giving up. <laughs> So um, it's, it's hard, and some days it's not just a day. Sometimes it's a month of like, oh man, I, I really screwed the pooch on this one. But, um, but yeah, I, I think it's just giving yourself um, value outside, at least for me, outside of the work I'm doing. Like, mm-hmm. Yes, this one project maybe didn't turn out good, but I still have value just because this one project isn't good. Um, that doesn't define me as a filmmaker right now. The next one can be good, and I like the one before it. Um, and, uh, or maybe I didn't like the one befo- before it. But I'm always thinking, well, the next time. I can't wait for the next time where I have the chance to try again. Because that's mm-hmm. all kind of life is. It's failure and then trying again. Yes. Failure and trying again. And if you give up after your first failure and never try again, then I mean, that's, you'll only be left with your one failure. Um, So that's kind of, uh, that's the cycle I go through for every project. I think that's the ultimate
0: failure. Yeah. You know, if people try at something and they fail, that is really the only failure. Because you could try something 10 times and you get it on the 11th. Or like George Lucas, you know, before Mm -hmm. we started this podcast, we were talking about George Lucas and little did I know, you know, he had been rejected um, a hundred times in Hollywood. And I remember seeing his video where he uh, said, well, I'm not going to stop now. And so he kept going. And I think for whoever right. is listening, it, it could be anything. It, it doesn't matter if it's somebody in a corporate job who overall is doing a great job, but they worried about their most recent mistake and mm-hmm. they're obsessing about that. It could be somebody who is in business for themselves. And maybe they've got a lot of wonderful clients, but they've just lost One, one client and they're, they're beating themselves up over that or posts on social media. I attended a, um, it was like a virtual free webinar recently and, um, and it was on one of the social media platforms. And I noticed that the thing that kept coming over, up over and over was people worrying about online trolls, people, people worrying about. Um, criticism of, about their post. You know, one person criticizes them, and they could have a hundred people say positive right, things. Right, and it's that, and one, that one comment, yeah, thing that, that they'll focus on if they're not careful. And you you cannot focus on what people are going to think. I think positively or negatively about your right. post because otherwise, you're just going to go completely up and down. You, Absolutely, you know, you're you're going to be driven. You know, tossed about by the sea in whatever which way, because you're basing it on what other people think. And yes. even if you had 15 posts, five people loved it, the other 10 said something negative. Well, look at those five people, right? That you, that you, have you did helped. something for,
1: right? Yes. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I, uh, the I, a very new experience I just started having. Uh, recently is I made a short film that actually started getting views on <laughs> on the internet because, I mean, uh, the for the longest time, you know, I upload something not because of the views, but because, you know, I just, I, I, I want to do it. I want to make it. and mm-hmm. But it gets like maybe a hundred views on YouTube and I'm like, yay, a hundred people saw it, <laughs> which is fine, you know. Um, but recently I made a short film based off of a Marvel comic book character which has an existing fan base, meaning that when I upload it to YouTube, um, it's now um, I think 3,000 shy of 200,000 views, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, that So that means now that people who aren't related to me or people who aren't my friends are commenting on my stuff. And because they don't care about me, they're just random strangers on the internet. Mm-hmm. Man, there's some there's some intense comments out there. There is some because people are um, they're fans of the comic book. They have their own idea of what they thought we should have done, and they let us know for sure. Which you know, there are lots of it. it's the internet and, and it's um,
0: anonymous. That's the yes, other thing. you can do whatever you it, want. It's anonymous, and so people will say whatever yes. the heck. They want, and mm-hmm. I, I don't think they're always thinking. You know, if you wanted to post where you disagree with someone or there's something that you don't like, you know, if you really have to do that, you could do so.
1: Right, constructive criticism, yes. things like that. But yeah, this is a this has been a, a new experience where I, every at least once a day I get a notification on my phone, which of uh, a comment, and most of them are good. They are mostly positive, but it's that <laughs> one comment that's like. Oh, could have been twenty good comments that day when it's that <laughs> one guy. He was like, "My like, oh, mm-hmm. But at that, at least that's how I reacted at first. But then after, like, because uh, it's been out for a couple months now, and I and we're still the comments are still coming in. At this point, I just um, it, it doesn't phase me. i I've, I've learned to be mm-hmm. like, yeah, no matter what you do, no matter just like uh, whether it's a creative thing or just who you are as a person. Even if you're the perfect person in the world, someone's gonna not like yes. you. Even yes. if you make the perfect movie, someone's not gonna like it. Not that this is the perfect movie. <laughs> but um, but yeah, mm-hmm. there'll always be people out there um who have who who aren't gonna like your thing. And you just have to learn to accept it, you know? And um and at first it was kinda hard. It was like, oh no, not everyone in the world likes my <laughs> my short <laughs> film. But then I, you know, came to realize, um, what that meant and actually got some stuff out of the, the criticism. I actually mm-hmm. took away some stuff instead of being like, screw you, you're wrong. I decided to like ac- actually think objectively about what they were saying, regardless of how terrible they phrased it mm-hmm. and, um, and kind of learn some stuff from it. Um, so that's been kind of an interesting experience in the past few months is that comment section. <laughs>
0: yes. I, I, I will agree with that. And I've learned that too, because having been a speaker for about 23 years, I could have a hundred people in my seminars. I, I might have 1200 people at, mm-hmm. at a keynote speech and there can be awesome evaluations from almost everybody. And if I'm not careful, I could focus on that one person. Exactly. You know, a lot yeah. of people might say, you know, loved the time spent in groups, you know, loved the... The interaction, because I like to make my programs interaction, Mm -hmm. and there might um, be—I'm saying this hypothetically—there could be one person who says too much time spent in groups. Right, right, exactly. Yes, one person likes. Yes, somebody else won't, and so you are just—and I've talked about this in my other podcasts—you are never going to please everyone yes and my probably my ultimate rejection quote-unquote and it took some time to to get over but it was an outstanding learning moment I call it a silver lining learning moment because a silver lining came out of it and that was at the end of my dad's life the last probably two and a half to three years I reached out to him in different ways huh. um, email uh, handwritten note to him Anyway, I reached out in different ways and mm-hmm. toward the end of his life, he was very sharp mentally, very physically fit, even though he knew wow. he didn't have long. At one point the doctor said, you know, get your things in order, you've only got a week or two. Mm-hmm. So he knew his time was very short on this earth, and he chose to not reach out. I like never that. That's responded. Awesome. And
1: he... Oh, he, oh, not reach out to He didn't
0: reach out. Oh, yeah.
1: oh, okay. That's not awesome. Yeah, I no. <laughs> I thought you were... Okay, yeah. yeah.
0: Well, and that... Okay. and Well, that would be <laughs> the assumption. I responded to the
1: wrong thing. Yeah,
0: that that would be the assumption. That he reached out at the end. He did not reach out to my sister. You know, we were his only two kids. He didn't reach out to her. Huh. So, so that was a very... Uh, Defining moment in my life of that's kinda sad. how am I going to oh, deal with this? Yeah, and at yeah, the time, I'm rough. not going to lie. It was I talk about it in my first episode of this podcast. A- at first, it was devastating.
1: Right. I mean, yeah, I-, I would I say see.
0: devastating, depressing, you know, almost debilitating. Yeah, and then after about a month, um, because he passed away in early November, something happened December first, and this was it. Hasn't even been two years. Something came over me where I thought, okay, how how am I going to deal with this? Because if I can overcome this, I can help other uh, other people overcome big challenges. Because Mm -hmm. one of the topics that I speak on as a speaker as well as a coach is dealing with difficult people Mm -hmm. and how to have confidence. So, uh, Mm. you know, save that for another time. But, you know, I was able to get through it. And I I learned a lot. You learn a lot about yourself when you deal with a very difficult person because absolutely you you find out that sometimes you've you've given somebody too much credit and they're not at all what you think they are. Yeah. And so that could have been the case with you too, with some of the rejection that you encountered along the way. You could have reached somebody on a bad day. You know, they just weren't having a good day. Right. right. Absolutely. You know, so they weren't as nice to you as they, they could have been. And so it's not necessarily always about us, you know, it's not necessarily all about you, whoever's listening, Mm -hmm. but sometimes it's what's going on with those other people. And probably, you know, I'll kind of let you give your, your closing remarks. I think my biggest closing remark, my biggest takeaway from this that I would leave people with mm-hmm. is when you do feel discouraged, whether it's you're discouraged from somebody else, something that they've said, or or just on your own. You know, you're not you're not getting as many um, likes. You know, people are so worried about the likes right. or whatever. It's not about you. It's it's not. It's yes. often not about you. It's what's going on with other people, or right. or they're busy. Don't judge yourself. Protagonist
1: disease. You ever heard of that one? No, I haven't. Protagonist <laughs> disease is the. Uh, it's this psych term for when you think that you are the protagonist of the world, <laughs> or basically <laughs> everything revolves around, not in an egotistical way, but everything revolves in one way or another around you and your yes. experiences. Like when you go, not when true. you come back from a date and be like, oh, they're totally obsessing over that one thing I said, when they're not, they're yeah. probably obsessing yeah. over something that, they say yes, yes. Um, People yeah. often
0: aren't even thinking about you. Right. They're they're thinking about their own life and every all the stuff they have going on. Right.
1: Yeah. Everyone kind of mm-hmm. thinks that they're the main character of of the world that they're living in, and and not for not in a narcissistic way. Just kind of you know naturally yeah. you think because you're 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 limited to your own perspective because you're a you and you can only live as and, you and you can
0: get too into your own head. Absolutely.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, but yeah, so you, you asked for a closing m- remarks. So, uh, basically, um my my biggest thing is just don't wait for permission is that that you can wait for that amazing connection. you can wait for something, but but going out there yourself and just starting, like you said, there's never really a perfect time. Mm-hmm. There might be more inconvenient times than others for sure. Um, and I'm not saying like if you're in the middle of like, um, a wedding and you have like an idea spark to <laughs> you that you just like skip out. But it, there's never an actual perfect time. You just mm-hmm. have to take that leap of faith. That's what it is. Um, and yes, sometimes choosing one thing might be more stable and consistent and measurable. But if it's not going to make you as happy, then taking that leap to become the thing you've always wanted to be sometimes is, is, the, is the best thing you can do. And, it, you have to be realistic. You can't yeah, quit I, your job to become a painter and then end up, you know, not being able to pay your bills and then get kicked out of your house. But you know, finding a realistic way to take that leap of faith and, and chase what you love and not wait for anything, just do it.
0: You know what? I uh, was not going to end with a quote. I usually do with my podcasts because I'm a, I'm a quote freak and I know a lot of people that like quotes. I like quotes. <laughs> so I wasn't going to end with a quote, but you made me think of something. And um, there is a, a author by the name of Margaret Shepard. And uh, I'm pretty sure she has a quote, which is sometimes your only mode of transportation is a leap of faith.
1: I like that. And that's That's a great
0: way to end this program. Absolutely.
1: I love that. Yeah,
0: thanks everybody for watching. This was officially my first video podcast. So uh, thanks for watching and I hope you've uh, gleaned some takeaways from this episode. And Caden Butera, thank you very much.
1: thanks for having Uh me, it's been
0: fun. I'm, I'm Colleen Ryan and thank you for listening everybody. Please, 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 if you haven't already, subscribe to the Adopting Joy podcast. Share it with your friends. You can follow me on Instagram at Adopting Joy underscore. That's Adopting Joy and the underscore symbol on Twitter at Adopting Joy. And I'm also on Facebook at Colleen Joy Ryan. Colleen Joy Ryan. Thank you.